Now Skype is telling me to avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. So um, just FYI, you're being recorded. Well, I'm going to sue you. The moment I heard legal snag, I thought, ka-ching! I welcome the opportunity to, uh, you know, hang out with your lawyers. Do you like books? I'm outlining a new writing project. Who wrote this book? Read it. Read it. Sometimes I'd write something. What are you writing? Have you written anything lately? I'm Amanda Stern, and this is Bookable! On today's show, tornado warnings between friends. All summer, we've been inviting previous bookable guests back to the show to talk to other authors they admire. Well, we're breaking the mold today because there are authors who haven't been on the show, at least not yet anyway, who I'd love to hear in conversation. So I asked two friends of mine who just happen to be good friends with one another. Gary Steingart is a celebrated author known for his satirical novels like The Russian Debutante's Handbook and Super Sad True Love Story. His most recent novel is Lake Success and is about the election results of 2016. Paul Lafarge is an author, essayist, and academic. With five novels under his belt, he is wildly prolific. And according to me and Flavorwire, his work is criminally underrated. His most recent novel is The Night Ocean, about a man obsessed with H.P. Lovecraft. Paul and Gary now spend most of their time in upstate New York in neighboring towns. I asked them to speak with one another about writing and craft and living through this present moment. They began, as most friends begin, with the threat of litigation. And then Gary gets an alert. By the way, I just got a, it looks like a tornado warning on my phone. Did you get that? I did. Uh, no, no, it's, it's so you are apparently being singled out for, <laughs> by, and by for, God. for those, by God, exactly, by God and by your phone. But for those of us who, or those of you who are listening, I should be aware that Gary and I are both in the Hudson Valley and we live about 10 minutes from each other. So, That's um, right. if there's a tornado, I guess the good news here, Gary, is that if there's a tornado coming for you and not me, it's a small tornado. Yeah, it actually says a tornado warning has been issued for, and it just gives my address. So I'm the only one. <laughs> it's just coming for me. I mean, and given the how my life has turned out, I can sort of see that being the end. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. A, yeah. a, a one-man tornado. Yeah, know? no, it'll be. I, you, your son probably summoned it up out of frustration at having to do classes on Zoom. Yes, he said, you know, there's only one way out of this, and it will be, it will be the one-man the- tornado. Uh, well, yeah. keep an eye on the uh, horizon. If you see a yeah. black funnel-shaped cloud approaching, we'll, uh, yeah. we'll continue yeah, the conversation absolutely. from your basement. Yes. Um, what, are you? Can you hear me? I had a little sound glitch there. Oh, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Okay, good, good, good. Um, so I yeah. had a question. Or you, you did? Oh, that's great. That's I, way. Yeah, I thought yeah. I was really proud of myself. I came up with a whole question. Came up with a question. Okay. It's, it's, even, it's even sort of relevant to the conversation we were just having about the Trump dynasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really has to do with writing about the present. And I was looking at yeah. Lake Success again last oh, night, uh, which oh. I, I think I'm enjoying it even more now than I did <laughs> the first time. But no, seriously. Uh, you're the best. Thank you. It, it, I really, I'm really grooving on it. Uh, I mean, not not just because of its relation to the present, even though that's what I want to talk about, but also the writing is just gorgeous. But so, oh, it's a book you. about. I mean, it's a book about like 2016, mm-hmm. and the characters are all engaged in one way or another with the idea of America and wealth and income inequality and Trump and all this stuff that was happening around you when yeah. you were reading it. This, this is a book that you, as I think, finished before the election. Am I right? Uh, I finished right after the election. Right, right after, after the election. election. So the most there was of, actually a scene taking place in the election, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. Right. So, but I mean, most of, the, most of the, the book got written, you know, before we knew that we were going to yeah. dive off this cliff, if you'll, you know, yeah. for those who agree with me or, yeah. or climb to this wonderful... Plateau yeah. for those of you who don't. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I I'm just curious how you pull that 
off because it seems mm-hmm. very hard to do. Yeah. Well, thank you for all your kind words to begin with. But, um, you know, my the, the, the book I wrote right before uh, Lake Success, uh, Super Sad True Love Story, was written in uh, before 2010 during the yeah. early Obama era. And it was a dystopian book about everything collapsing. Uh, and then most of that book happened. But in 2000, for Lake Success and for the book I'm writing now, even for a pessimist like myself, it's hard to outdo the level of dysfunction and, and you know, neo-Nazi horror that we're dealing with right now. So there's no way that I can sort of beat the times in terms of writing in my usual sort of Soviet Ashkenazi pessimist way. So the only way I can do it is to actually chronicle as best as I can what's happening. But with Lake Success, you know, as, as you said, I started writing it when I started writing it in June in, of, of 2016. And it looked for a long time, I was convinced that Hillary would win, you know. So I was writing Trump as kind of almost, you know, not even a character. It was sort of a background noise that was going on. You know, the way you would write, if you wrote a book about the 80s, um, you know, you might have a Rubik's Cube in the background, right? Something like that. And similarly here, if, since we're writing about 2016, there's going to be this funny election that obviously this idiot's going to lose. And we're going to sort of have that as background noise. Now, and then toward the end of the election, I was getting really scared. And I remember I was talking to uh, our mutual friend, Dinao Mengistu, who also lives in the area. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, oh my God, Dinao, you know, if, if he wins, uh, if Trump wins, everything in this book is going to be just sort of just read in a whole different way. And I'm completely screwed because that's not how I intended it. You know, things that were supposed to be funny are not going to look ominous. Uh, and then, of course, he did win. And I felt very depressed on every level, not just uh, on the fact that, you know, we're completely screwed as a country, but also, oh, my God, now my book is just this whole different book. And then when it was published, it was received differently, too. And it became sort of the first book in the era of Trump. You know, every every headline, every review, every byline, had not byline, every review had, like, you know, Trump, 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 Trump. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. It's just a book about a family that happens to be taking place in 2016. But given the gravity of the situation, the, the the sort of the meaning of the book was was hugely changed and became this this you know ominous thing as opposed to what I was intending was just a funny comedy about this schmuck who flees his family and goes on the road for this horrifying greyhound bus trip. So anyway, so, that, that that's my story. Yeah, go ahead. But, so I'm just I'm just wrapping my head around this again. I suppose I I might have known it at some level, but. Like success, people, you know, everybody said, oh, Steingarten got has gotten serious. It's a comic yeah. novel, but it has serious, yeah. serious, you know, bones. Yes. And what you're telling me is that that was a, kind of an accident. Well, the bones were a little bit more serious. There was some serious bones going on. God, that's a horrible thing. Serious, serious bones. Serious another, bones going another on. Another series coming soon. <laughs> serious bones were happening all over that novel. But um, for the most part, no, it was a satire and a hedge fund manager who, you know, has a breakdown and runs away. There were a couple of more serious things. There was, uh, he has a child who has a disability and there's, you know, a marriage falling apart. Although marriages falling apart are always kind of funny, too. Uh-huh. Oh, but you yeah. know, um marriage. But the, the the sort of the very dark background wasn't supposed to be that dark because you know, all the characters in that book or some of the characters in that book are constantly looking at five thirty-eight. Right. No, this isn't gonna happen. Yeah. Just the way I'm right now looking at five thirty-eight every every other minute thinking, Oh my yeah. god, Biden's only slightly favored to win. Oh my god, I just got just speaking of that, speaking of ominous, I just got emergency alert. Tornado warning in this area until 2.45 p.m. Take shelter now in a basement or an interior room of the lowest floor of a sturdy building. Uh, <laughs> do you want to do that? Yeah, right. let's just, you know, it's for Amanda Stern. I mean, are, you on, are you on the ground floor of your house? Not at all. No, I'm on the second floor. You're on the second floor. So yeah. this turned into kind of, uh, uh, you know, this could be the, the farewell. The long arc of this conversation could be waiting for the tornado, kind of. A yeah, yeah. Or this could be my sort of. This could be our valedictory message to the world, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. well, uh, or the beginning of a Wizard of Oz-like adventure where we, uh, <laughs> we we find ourselves in a Technicolor version of the Mid Hudson Valley. Wow, that, that would look like uh, you know, wow. surrounded by 
tiny people who want to sell us organic produce. <laughs> so not very different from the world we already live in. Um, no. Uh, are, you on the, are you on the ground floor? No, I'm, I'm on the second floor too. But, you know, I didn't get a t- tornado warning. I think it's really, That's really, this is really, it's really, it's really just headed for you. <laughs> so um, I feel, oh, why I feel it, good about this. I feel uh, like you're, maybe you're kind of a tornado magnet. I am a tornado magnet. Yeah, I'm a one-man your, tornado. Your your job is to keep the rest of us safe by drawing the tornadoes to yourself. Yeah, I mean, nature just wants to carry out a one-man pogrom on me, and uh, <laughs> that, that's that's what's happening. Um, yeah. But what yes. about you? What about you? You write. You write all. I mean, you write about many, many different subjects. But what do you, how do you feel about the present moment? I, I don't want to give too much away, but I believe you're writing a more in the more fantastical yeah. view right now. And, yeah, and no. your last book also had some of that. So, what, what do you think? Yeah. I, I, uh, so, just you know, I'm I'm sure dozens of people are are waiting breathlessly to hear this, but I've been working on a uh, some sort of young adult fantasy novel, and I'm oh. I'm not at all ashamed of it. You know, it took me. I had to work it through. I had to. Talk to my imaginary therapist to deal with my yeah. feelings about it. But yeah. here I am. I'm proud to say that's what I'm doing. Um, bravo, bravo. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, uh, yeah. Uh, I would say I was coming out as a nerd, but I've already written like <laughs> thousands and thousands of words about Dungeons. You, you, you've and written Dragons. about Lovecraft and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, there's, there's, there's yeah no it's too late. To it's, too late. Yeah. it's too late. Um, I, you know, I would be hesitant to do what you do to to like reach right in to the guts of what's happening now and try to either get ahead of it or even to get a grip on it Mm -hmm. to uh you know to produce a novel that feels coherent from a uh, an artistic point of view from a narrative point of view but also uh, a book which rings true i feel like you've got a real gift for anticipating the next, you know, swing of the roller coaster, whether it's the gentrification of Staten Island or yeah. you know whatever, right? It's it's all it's all going to happen. Um, I'm interested in the present. Obviously, I you know I, I don't yeah. I don't not care about it, um, but I feel more comfortable taking a running start at it and trying to think about questions like how did we get here and then you know i want to answer that by looking back and saying oh maybe we got here because we doing this thing or this other thing or because these people systematically robbed and you know pillaged and Mm -hmm. brutalized these other people and the other people were angry and you know when you look at it like that it's actually not that surprising that we are where we are um Mm -hmm. so i'm i'm Actually, it's a kind of a lot of what the book I'm working on now is about is the people who want to get back to kind of the roots of things, to where where the present comes from. Um, and I did it. You know, I did that a little bit with a book I wrote about urbanization in Paris. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah. Houseman. Houseman. Yeah. It's just, you know, I was thinking about gentrification in San Francisco in the 90s. Right, and all right. these, this demolition boom and all these these new buildings going up. And obviously that's still going on and how this, you know, how a, a giant influx of capital can yeah. change a place or just, yeah. you know, transform your experience of the place right. you live. And I I could have tried to write a San Francisco book about that, but instead it, it seemed more fun and in a way more useful to mm-hmm. look back and say, this is maybe the first time something like that happened. Uh, you know, let's talk about how that played out. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that's such a great way of... I mean, I remember right when Trump won, I was in London, I was talking to a British friend of mine, and he said, yeah, I'm writing about the... I'm going to write about the Trump era. And I'm like, wow, that's great. And he's like, yeah, but it's set in, in Victorian times. That's the difference. <laughs> you know, and I thought, oh, you, 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 you brilliant weasel, you, you got away with it. Yeah, you can, you can sort of <laughs> write, about, write about the court of Jared, but it's set in, I don't know, the Sun King's court or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah. if the Sun King was there next time, but you know what I mean. Go ahead. No, I, I think I think you're doing. I think that's a great way to approach it. And I think it's a very say, smart and also kind of the, the brilliant part of it is, when you're approaching readers is that a lot of readers don't want to read about the current era, or if they want to read it about it, they'll buy some you know some tell-all book or 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 an, a series of essays that attempts to connect history with what's happening now, but. 
what I, I I don't know why I keep doing this, but I keep doing this. And the book I'm writing now is set in the time of COVID and pretty much set in exactly where we're about to be hit by a tornado or I'm about to be hit by a tornado. Right. And I don't know why it is that I can't look away. I guess it's because, I mean, maybe one reason is I, I've done a lot of journalistic endeavors may not sound right, but for a long time I was a travel journalist. Yep. And I kind of would just, and those were some of the happiest days of my life. I would just travel around the world for Travel and Leisure magazine and write these funny long screeds about whatever I was seeing. And I think that still remains sort of my favorite way to, and, and that entailed obviously writing very much about the present day. Yep. Uh, so whatever, wherever part of the world, and I covered most continents, whatever part of the world I'd be in, I would sort of be writing about that. And to me, that became a kind of default mode. So it makes success where the character goes across America in a Greyhound bus is a very long, almost endless travelogue, right? Where that keeps happening. And the book I'm writing now, which is set almost entirely upstate, is a kind of stationary travelogue, if you will, <laughs> where I'm just constantly writing about the two or three roads that I keep walking on, all, you know, back and forth. And you've walked on some of those roads with me. So it's sort of like, oh, you know, the Chipmunk Chronicles. There's another Greyhound, Groundhog, or Chipmunk, or whatever. Um, <laughs> So I, I don't know. This may be incredibly boring for the for the reader eventually, but but you know, it's, it's for some reason I can't read back into the past. I, maybe it's I'm such a narcissist, even though I'm not a boomer. I have such <laughs> narcissism that I'm like, I know people existed in the 17th century, but were they Gary? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's sort of an unanswerable question. Um, because it I, might be yes, they were. There were maybe, yeah, you may you may actually be you know one of those uh, those beings that you know that returns every generation. Right, right. There's a Gary, <laughs> yeah. there's a Gary in every era. You could be the, yes. the Forrest Gump of uh, literary satire. Wow, that would be a funny novel, like a Gary for every century, a Gary yeah. for each oh. season. Yeah. Oh. When you're goes. done, with, when you're done with this book, do you yeah. want to? Do you want to say what your book is about, or are we keeping well, it under? Well, um, you know, pretty much what I've just said in, in the sense that um, um, it's a group oh. of people. So when I was growing up, I, I was sort of this chipmunks, yeah, chipmunks, chipmunks. Hmm. Uh, tornado chipmunks. Uh, when I was a kid, the reason I kind of fell in love with this area, and where, which is why I spend most of the year here, is uh, I went to this Russian bungalow colony across the river uh, in a place called Ellenville, New York which is uh, high up in the Catskills, or low up, low down in the Catskills, or somewhere near the Catskills. But in any case, it was a Russian bungalow colony. There were a lot of, a lot of Russians, a lot of smoked uh, fishes were being eaten. Um, and I loved it so much. I didn't know English well, so for me it was such a great escape from uh, New York and from this horrifying uh, yeshiva that I went to. So I always loved this area, and I decided to, to you know, spend most of my time here. But in this novel, we have a kind of ca a character who looks a little bit like me, um, failing novelist, Russian, and he uh, he decides to build his own bungalow colony. So he has these like five deluxe bungalows, and he invites all his friends uh, up to his cabins. Um, and this is just as COVID hits, and then mm -hmm. they all kind of remain, remain stranded there for a long time. Uh, so, so that's kind of the bare bones of it. Decameron-like thing. Anyway. Exactly, exactly. Very decameronish, except instead of just telling tales to each other, they started uh, sleeping with one another. So that has kind of a more, you know, writer's colony retreat kind of vibe. Uh, but there's, you know, two of them are married, they have a kid, there's, there's all kinds of little things happening. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit more, uh, more, it's a little bit larger, and at the same time, a lot smaller. Hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's strange. And, and, and I think it's coming out of me right now because I'm trying to deal with the fact, as I'm sure you are, that we're stuck here for a very, for a very long time. Thankfully, you know, there's you and I go for wonderful, beautiful scenic walks and uh, occasionally a, a very safe, safety conscious meal. But, um, you know, I'm just trying to process the fact that for six months I haven't even seen New York City. I'm going to see it next week for the first time, but it's been six months of urban celibacy so to speak mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i i feel like i've done i've do, doing my processing by retreating into the world of i don't know not exactly dragons and unicorns but uh, <laughs> but but some other world um i how do you find, oh, how do you find that i mean how do you find 
writing about dragons at a time where you are where you have a dog i guess that's close enough <laughs> but you know you're sort of when you look out it, it, it is does the naturally ceaseless natural element of where we live uh, contribute or detract from this giant journey of the imagination uh so for me this is the 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 world that i'm spending most of my time in comes right out of living uh here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've been on you've been to my house you've seen my uh my porch yeah, yeah. There's like beautiful, a, beautiful so, porch one of the best porches out there honestly well i'm very happy with the porch i don't take a lot of credit for it it was all sort of there before we we arrived and we haven't even like we've barely swept i mean it's you know it's just uh-huh. the way it was when we moved in 10 years ago but um Right. If you sit at the porch, you know, having breakfast or drinking a cup of coffee, you look out at this field, uh, which is just wild growing. I could probably learn what the crud is, but uh, but that would involve getting up close to it and then maybe getting bitten by a tick. And, you know, I don't want to do that. So I sit sit on the porch and I look out at the field of, of overgrown wild crud. And then behind it, behind it, there's this wall of trees. And it looks like you're kind of at the end of civilization, you know, it's like, here you are. And then if you were just to get up and go across the field, you'd be in the wilderness. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when I moved to this house, I really thought that was true. I was like, wow, we're, we're at the edge of the woods. Um, Then I I took a walk around uh, the the road that goes uh, behind our house and realized that that those woods are about, you know, a hundred feet deep. And then you get a, a subdivision. Um, But I, I do like thinking about, you know, what it's, what it's like to be at the edge of the wilderness and what the wilderness might be like and what people might do with it. And America was, you know, supposed to be a place of dragons, actually, when, when Cotton, yeah. Cotton Mother was writing about it way back in the times of, um, of 18th century Gary. Uh, <laughs> she writes about dragons. Oh, there's, uh. you know, there's demons and there's witches and there's dragons and you know, sometimes you think he's being metaphorical but sometimes you think straight up he just means like if you were to walk west from boston you know you would come to the place where there are these giant fire breathing animals that would kill and eat you uh, it's called kentucky but yes yes you know, I, I i mean i think you probably probably only have to go i don't know maybe as far as springfield but uh <laughs> but whatever you know so it's there's this there's this bit of fantasy about the wilds already mixed in with the idea of being here. And I feel like as I'm writing this book, I'm just trying to unpack that a little bit and, you know, starting with the wonder of the, the great woods and then maybe moving towards the, uh, the reality of the uh, great subdivision. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, yeah. And, and do you find, as I sometimes find that um, because we're so, because not so many conversations happen during our daily lives that it's wonderful to write down a dialogue just because it's the people talking that we're not hearing with our own ears. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think the only way I've, I've managed not to go completely crazy. Also having a dog, I have to say, um, but I can't have, well, I can't have two-sided conversations with the dog. <laughs> I, I tell the dog jokes, but he doesn't uh, didn't really like my material. Um, yeah, no, I find I find writing a completely uh, uh, healing or restorative or life saving activity right now. It's a way to be in a world. You know, I, I realize I'm like writing all these scenes at parties. Yes, at, yes me too. You know, large gatherings and like yeah. there's a concert and a you know play and a carnival. Yes, and it's. <laughs> It's just all this stuff I wish I could do. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I do feel that way. And I feel like here I'm limiting myself because I'm writing about, you know, eight people together in a kind of country house. And here I am, three people in a country house. Um, but I, I, I'm, you know, because I'm able to sort of manipulate all these people into having fights and affairs and all this stuff, I get to sort of recreate uh, a noisy uh, summer. And, and, and usually I, I don't have a bungalow colony, but I usually do invite people to stay up here for a while. Uh, and I, I miss that quite a bit. I'm, I'm so happy you're here and, and, and I can 
hang out with you, but there's, there are, you know, not a lot of people, especially in the beginning when this was starting, I wanted to limit the number of people I saw just because, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was a little, it was, it was a bit scary to interact at all. But, um, I, I, I do feel that, that, and also, you know, I've been, I've been reading a lot more just because, uh, um, books contain so many people, uh, and also watching a lot of, a, a, a Japanese reality show I've been obsessed with called Terrace House, hmm. uh, in which, very much like, uh, and it actually does play a role in the in the book that I'm writing. Uh, a, a group of uh, Japanese um, young people are thrown together in a luxurious house in Tokyo or elsewhere, and they, uh, you know, they they get to hang out with each other and, and go out with each other and stuff like that. So that's been my sort of uh, escape. How many episodes of that are there? Like five thousand episodes? Uh, I think there's about yeah, like five hundred episodes. Five hundred uh, each one. Each and, and, and during each episode, almost nothing happens. They'll maybe make some soba or make some tea and, and talk about their career prospects. But I love it so much that I just, I, I just, I, I couldn't stop. I've seen them all except recently it's been canceled because one of the um, contestants uh, or not contestants, one of the roommates of the house committed suicide after she was bullied. Uh, and I think Netflix is taking it off the air uh, or at least some of it, but if you can still catch it, it's on, it should be on Netflix and it's just, uh, it's such a, well, until the suicide, it was such a, wonderfully dull show that like i said nothing much was happening and yet so much of human reality was happening um that it was just like uh like like reading a 19th century novel almost where there's a lot of action but it's all bubbling under the surface hmm. until again that woman killed herself but yeah, yeah and then it all it all bubbled up time for a short break when we come back Gary gets himself into a precarious situation in the name of research. Stick around. Welcome back to this bookable bonus conversation with Gary Steingart and Paul Lafarge. You know, you're obviously... With the, the book you're working on, you're obviously, you're intensifying. I've I've been to your house, and I've even been there, you know, when you've had other people up. And I want to say that people were, like, having affairs and getting into fights and that oh. there was all this drama. But if it, if it happened, it, it definitely didn't happen while I was around. It was more like people were getting into pasta salad and, you know, <laughs> maybe, uh, you know, yeah. getting, we, we played a badminton once, which I yeah. remember. Yeah. Because you're you're actually kind of good at it, and I was. I, I know it, it shocks everyone the fact that I actually know how to play uh, badminton. Yeah, no, I would, I would just warn our audience that I've, if Gary asks to play badminton with you for money, you know, I would I would say no. But um, it's, the, it's the only sport I'm good at, so I, I'm I'm yeah. You only need one. I mean, come on, just be like yeah, yeah. badminton anyone. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. no, there's this there's this intensification that happens in the book, right? You're taking what's going on around you, which is uh, nothing slash a lot of Zoom calls slash homeschooling and, uh, you know, and doing laundry and, and, uh, and all that stuff. And you're, you're turning up the intensity. And this, I guess the question that lurks in this for me is whether you have a, how you think about manipulating the present in that way, because you're, Mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what you're doing when you're turning the, the 2016 era into something that we want to read a book about rather than, uh, you know, just something that we had the misfortune to live through. Yeah. Yeah. There's this play that keeps happening. You see it even more in superset, right? Where everything yeah. kind of gets transformed and made up and yeah. exaggerated. Yeah. And I wonder if there's a, if you have any secrets that you want to reveal about how you do that. <sighs> well, I, you know, I mean, partly is, is you also have to remember that there's a reader at the end. I teach creative writing as you do. And there's, I'm always reminding students. And I remember uh, George Saunders gave a talk at the college I teach at. And he also said something along the lines of, you know, you got to remember there's a reader at the other end of it. And he was talking about how in his early days, he would just write for his, himself. And he would write these sort of you know, um, things that maybe were clever by half, but they were not known. They were not really meant to be consumed by another reader, or, or, unless that reader was a, a genius. Um, my approach is really that it's important to remember that somebody has to read through all this. So, again, you know, my, I don't want to get. We're already living through all this stuff. We already feel the the sadness of 
so many people who have just died. We, we have a political system that means a lot more people are going to die, and that you know that the uh, horrors and inequality that we see are just going to continue over and over again, if not be magnified under a, a second presidency, um, a second term for our uh, fearless leader. So it's like with 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 Lake Success, I thought I could invoke the Trump name. Uh, because I was writing about 2016 and because I thought it would just be a joke, you know. Um, uh, but I remember when I finished it, and when I finished it, the election had been, had been uh, the November 2016 election had taken place. I remember my editor, who unfortunately has passed away since then, I remember her saying, Yari, can we just limit the T word to maybe 12 instances, 10 instances? Hmm. Hmm. About 30 of them. She's like, I, I just, it's, you know, every time the reader sees it now, it's a different connotation than when the reader then you know if Hillary had won when the reader would have just you know glossed over it as this funny peculiarity of the year 2016 or maybe funny isn't the right word but this mm-hmm. awful strange 2016 peculiarity but now it, it was the reality of, of the world we were living in you know and so in writing about 2020 uh, in this book I'm noticing that I'm never writing the word COVID-19 or, or corona mm-hmm. you know um, it's just sort of almost. Did, did you make up like an alternate plane? No, I didn't make up. You know, <laughs> I don't know Heineken or some other name for a, <laughs> a, a, a beer-based virus. Um, no, but I do. Fi- yeah, I do find that um, 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 uh, that I can mention that people are wearing masks, for example, and there's a lot of. You know, when they do venture outside of the house, there's, there's, you know, there's hand sanitizer and stuff. But um, because the other question I also have for, for the, you know, is, is you know, it, if there's going to be a, a series of fictional representations of COVID in theater, in, in, I'm sorry, in film or books or, or other forms of art, you know, is it going to be sort of, oh, look, this only happened for a year and we went through this awful time or is COVID going to be with how we live for a very long time with us? Uh, and I think it's more of the latter than the former. I think all, if you're going to be writing about the present, you're going to be writing about the effects of, of COVID. Um, so that's, so I, I, I as, as somebody who writes in the contemporary scheme, I can't quite avoid it, but at the same time, but let me ask you, I mean, you're, you're out there dancing with dragons uh, in your book. Um, are you, do you feel that, the horrors of what's happening now, uh, politically and and you know epistemologically, if that's the word, uh, are affecting what you're writing, even if you're setting it in a different uh, key, so to speak. Honestly, I don't know. I feel you know there was that. I was just thinking about uh, Sloane Crossley's piece in the Times, yeah. whenever that was yes. in the spring. Yes. Say, you know, yeah. don't write your COVID novel yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and here she, I am, yeah. very, very intelligently you know, surmise that there are all these writers with a lot of time on their hands. And, you know, everybody is thinking, wow, this is great material because nothing like it has ever happened to me before. Um, But of course, the, the, you know, the problem there is that something like it is happening to everyone else now. So if you were to, to write about, uh, you know, your experiences with, uh, you know, mask fitting or getting into an altercation with somebody at the grocery store or whatever, okay. you would, you know, you would be writing about something that most of your readers had also been through. Yeah. And you would really, you'd really need to bring something, some unusual energy to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I don't, I don't feel the thing that I'm working on now going right for that. It feels more like there's a kind of long, thread that runs through it that's related to the to mm-hmm. this experience but it's not it's not right up in your face i did right. just write a uh the script for a, a little fiction podcast uh-huh. which for the american academy in berlin of all people uh-huh. which is all about COVID. it's like some guy making a podcast in his house and he yeah. decides he's gonna uh, use his iphone to communicate with the spirits of the dead and you know, it's like as soon as I get too close to present reality, it's got to wander off in some untoward direction because otherwise I'm afraid the reader will yeah. uh, will not be interested. That's uh, interesting. That's a, wow. 
But also, I'm sorry, just just also because the present is so weird, because it's like, why probably there are people who are speaking to the spirits of the dead. And in fact, I started writing this thing, you know, and then three or four days later, there was a piece in the Times about uh, what's it like to be uh, in, to, to, to do lockdown in a haunted house. Yeah. And they found <laughs> four people who were who were quarantining in houses that were supposed to be haunted. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. that's that's really interesting. You mentioned the Times. Uh, uh, in, in Super Sad, the, the Times has been re- rebranded as the New York Lifestyle Times. Uh, right. and, and it's mostly about lifestyle than news. But I feel like, you know, the Times is throwing so much at it and on other publications, but chiefly the Times. There's just so much lifestyle stuff and information about living with COVID that there's like, there's a novel published every day about life in COVID. Maybe it's not a novel because it's, it's nonfiction, but it's a, there's a nonfiction version of a novel about every single infinitesimal part of living during these times. And it's yeah. explored so much. So the question I have is what can I bring to it that, you know, that, that maybe is a little bit different. And I, the only answer I have for myself is, is, you know, that I can hopefully make it funnier. Yeah. Um, there's a lot I of mean, humor. In- I mean, misbehavior, you know, the times yeah. is, is essentially writing, it's like writing the encyclopedia on how it wants people to live. Right, right. Every bit of the times now is, yeah. you know, yeah. it's uh, it's so prescriptive. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, misbehavior, bad behavior, people doing yeah. strange and horrible things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's what fiction. That's all. The entire role left for fiction is sort of delving into this kind of misbehavior. Um, I, I mean, and, and, and making it and making it funny and entertaining. Yeah, right. No, I. It's funny to think about fiction as a, just a space for making things worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like definitely. instead That's definitely of how I see it. Yeah, it's like you instead of having just Trump, you have like Trump, you know, in this bizarre sort of horrible context, or instead of having just America, you have. Uh, what did you call America in Super Sad? Is it just America? I remember there being Security State Israel. Security State Israel, Stability Canada. I think the U.S. and there's China worldwide. Uh, right. I think the U.S. is just pathetic enough to still, or, or jingoistic enough to still want to be just the U.S. Still just the U.S. Instead Maybe of there's no, no way to make it worse. Yeah, there's no way to make it worse. Just quickly, uh, this is a parenthetical, but uh, speaking of things becoming worse, um, the sky outside my window right now is dark, dark green. But wait uh, a minute, aren't you getting pelted by huge amounts of rain? Not yet. I'm there. Oh tree- my god! Wow. I know. Really very you're really you're getting the tornado, but I've got. I mean, it, it looks pretty. It looks pretty apocalyptic from where I sit too. It's like the trees are kind of reaching towards the house, and the sky looks like it's night. Um, no, this is it's. Um, I'm in the middle. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's, I'm being, there's a, my window is just pelted with storm, with the rain and there's a, oh. the trees look almost ready to, to be uh, blown off their roots. So, uh, folks, you know, if, if this podcast ends abruptly, um, you know, you'll know why. Yeah. But the tornado came. Um, <laughs> you, you sure you don't want to go down to the cellar? Yeah, I'm going to weather this out, so to speak. All right. Um, you're, you're, very, you're very brave. You're very. Oh, this, you're, is what, you're this is what a courageous person. This is what the dystopian writer does. If you're he, yes. uh, he says tornado. Here I am. Yeah. Um, yep. Tell me a story, tornado. Tell me a story, tornado. I'm on the second floor, way above ground level. <laughs> Bet you can't find me. Yeah, um, you're going to be checking the basement, but I'm up here. Uh, do you want to talk for a second? This, this is another, I don't know, it's a kind of a dry question, but whatever. You want to talk for a second about research? Because I was thinking about your bus trip across America yeah. uh, for Super Sad. No, not for Super Sad, for like success. Super and, sad. um, you know, you, you sort of put yourself in some, some interesting situations. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I found myself, um, you know, uh, surrounded by white supremacists on a bus in Louisiana. I guess that's not such a shocking statement. Um, uh, talking about, you know, uh, crucifying Muslims and Jews. And I thought, you know, I have one of those categories feels very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I mean, to the point where, just like the character in the book, I bought a, a New Testament coloring book at a, <laughs> at a, at a Greyhound shop in Shreveport just to prove to these guys that uh, 
because they kept eyeing me with a slightly so that instead of wait so instead of thinking that you were Jewish they would just think that you had some ser- serious developmental delays <laughs> I just discovered uh, uh, two Romans or whatever Trump called it uh, <laughs> look it's purple purple <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah that was um, there, there was definitely a lot of research and I also hung out uh, because the main character is a hedge fund manager I hung out with uh, hedge fund managers for. Four years, so I, yeah. I really paid the price there. Um, I yeah, there's a lot that, of reasons. I remember that being dangerous in the sense that you had to do a lot of drinking. I, I would stay up till four in the morning, drunk out of our minds, uh, people blaring about their horrible lives. Um, no, it was, it was it was very. I'm surprised my my liver survived that one. But you're doing some research for this book, right? I, I remember you yes. were in Minnesota. Was I was in I was in St. Paul long before uh-huh. the George Floyd thing went right. down, although I've stayed in touch with some of those people, so I hear about it from them. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Uh, yeah, this is back to the, like, weird ways in which the things that you make up or the things that you read about in history end up showing, uh, you know, kind of showing their faces in the present. So I was, part of the book that I'm working on takes place not in a fantasy world, but in mm-hmm. America. I mean, sort of a fantasy world, I guess. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, but there are these weird uh, rhymes between things that I had made up or that sprang out of uh, uh, books that I'd been reading about the the Puritans or the you know the mm-hmm. frontier in Western Pennsylvania in the in the seventeenth and eighteenth century and these kind of crazy interactions that people had with each other and things that are happening you know in in Minnesota and other parts of the country now and I. I don't know entirely how to explain it because it's not like I I knew that this was all going to be the case. I learned some stuff and then I thought, oh, I'll go to this place because that sounds fun. And I learned some more stuff and I thought, well, yeah. this is actually strangely congruous and yeah, uh, that's it, right? yeah. it all sort of belongs in the same story. And and how odd it is that that I happened to learn the 18th century version of it first. And now I'm reading, you know, now I'm talking to people in, you know, the, I'm talking to Hmong people in St. Paul who have uh-huh. uh, came there after the, uh, you know, the Vietnam war and, and have lived there ever since yeah. in large yeah. numbers. Um, and, you know, have a, a very particular culture and relation to, to the written word and, and all this stuff that I find totally fascinating for, for very strange reasons. Um, I don't, I don't think I don't think I'm putting myself in danger. I think the worst I, the worst danger I, I am in is maybe of like food poisoning if I yeah. eat something that was not properly you know cooked. Yeah, that was definitely a, a, something on the hound you had to watch out for bad, badly cooked hound dogs. Um, but that's but it, I, don't you find that research is just spectacular? I mean, you go in, um, you're introduced to to a new way of living new way of thinking and you just get the i find that uh, i i often find that the books that i read that have huge amounts of research baked into them are just absolutely amazing uh and maybe that's what that maybe that's because I, i'm sort of i've always been sort of into novels that brush by the category of travel journalism or just journalism in general yeah no i completely agree with you i was you know when i was writing uh, the night ocean which is about yes our writer H.P. Lovecraft and his friends, you know, I did, I, I wrote part of a draft, I wrote hundreds of pages of a draft where I just made all the characters up, these minor pulp science fiction and horror writers from the 20s. Right. But then I, I had a, a free period of time and I was at the New York Public Library and uh, I read about the actual people who had been part of Lovecraft Circle and they were so much crazier and so much yeah. Uh-huh. anything I could have come up with. I was like, oh, I'm just going to use these people because they're they're infinitely better than, yeah. than what I imagined. They're like, they do things that I would never have expected them to do. Yeah. And yeah. their lives bend in ways that you just, you you either wouldn't see coming or would be afraid to include in a novel because it's too novelistic. Right, right, right. That's right, that's right, that's right. That's absolutely right, yeah. But yeah. if I, oh, there's, I don't know. Can, can I ask you a question? I find so I'm just I think every now and then about like the 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 Google Earth research and how how not satisfying I find that. Oh my God! What a, I, I would never even imagine doing something like that. I was about to say in Night Ocean. There's just such a wonderful 
uh, sequence in Mexico City. Uh, just so <laughs> incredible. And so, and I thought, as I was reading, I thought, wow, Paul really went there, you know. I went and, there. I mean, you know, yeah, I went. Yeah, I, that's I, what I, I mean. Like, yeah. I tried to find the places where the characters were. They had all been turned into garages for some reason. But, you know, I guess people in Mexico City need a lot of parking. But, um, but uh, yeah, you, you kind of, I feel like you kind of have to go places and, and, and uh, experience them and breathe the air and eat yeah. the food. Uh, which, of course, especially eat the food, yeah. Yeah, especially the food. But uh, if we need to be in touch with the material, like literally in touch with it, then it makes total sense to me that you're writing this book because this is what, you know, what you can reach right now. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, you know, I've always thought that, for example, in, in the Soviet Union and, and the Soviet bloc countries, uh, uh, there's a lot of science fiction because science fiction allowed people to escape into another version of reality, obviously. And you could more yeah. thoroughly, you could more stealthily criticize the current system if you were able to sort of, um, you know, yeah. project hundreds of years into the future. Um, and I think this, I mean, look, these are just, uh, since I've left the Soviet Union, since I've left the dictatorship as a child, these are the saddest moments of my life, I would say, just in terms of being uh, a human, uh, being a citizen, um, being a person, and even being a citizen of the planet, knowing where, where everything is headed. Um, yeah. so it, it, there's, I, I'm constantly being torn between the idea of doing some, you know, going back and doing something, um, Set in just a different, on a different planet, um, uh, and hmm. because it's just it's too it's a little too painful to even write about today, even using you know euphemisms for the virus and for other things that are happening, uh, and never quite mentioning you know there's no there's not going to be any use of the T word in this novel. There's no Trump, <laughs> um, uh, but, but yeah. even so, it's just you know. You're constantly thinking, should I escape or, or, or should I remain? You know, because, because that's the one thing that we as writers can do is that we, can, we can't leave our bodies, but we can definitely float away into, an, into another dimension if we need to. Hmm. Hmm. Um, you know that this is going to lead us to talking about Canada, right? Oh, yes, I, I knew it. And I'm so, uh, <laughs> so, so for, the, for the listener, Paul and I are insane fans of montreal just huge huge fans and we've been there together we're a pretty close drive up from here um i I celebrated my 30th birthday there yeah language yes paul speaks four of the languages up there oh man food is the best we We went on this long week together with our families and just ate at Joe Beef and the Pied de Cochon and the Express and Larry's and uh, in my land. And oh my gosh. Oh my God. I, I feel fat just thinking about it, honestly. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, yeah. yeah. God. So, you know, uh, we got to we gotta think about what's going to happen come November 4th or 5th yep. or 12th yep. or whatever. Yep. yep. Uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe we'll. We'll sneak across the border in the back of a truck or something. Oh yeah, no, I'm, I mean absolutely. I'm, I'm. Uh, we got to figure out a plan. Uh, maybe yeah. transit through a third country. Uh, yeah. I don't know what country would have us. Uh, yeah, you know, but we could tra- maybe we, if we transit through a third country, maybe it could be like a fun country. A fun country. Yeah. Uh, apply for asylum, whatever it takes there. You know. Yeah. Look, yeah. you know, I, I, I um. My youth was all about fleeing a dysfunctional dictatorship, and I don't see why my adulthood shouldn't be either. You know, uh, let's keep let's keep it going. I mean, you know, this is this is history in action, right? We'd like yeah, to think everything true. is just going to be the way we were when it, we were kids if we grew up in a stable world. But uh, turns out, no. I remember yeah. reading, you know, in twenty sixteen seventeen about the people who found the like footpath to canada you know you kind of walk uh-huh. across the border it was like in yeah. some town in upstate new york yeah uh-huh. all the way upstate, like real upstate new york um and they would just you know all these immigrants are like this is, this is no longer a place i want to live and they would just walk into canada and surrender to the mounties wow i would love to and surrender I, to the mounties that just sounds that's, that's what we're right. gonna do we're gonna so we're gonna yeah. be the people with like our little you know our little red wagons full of stuff yeah. And oh, we're gonna surrender. We're gonna cross the border and surrender to the Mounties. 
That would be my Quebec expatriate novel, Surrender to the Mounties. Uh, uh, I think that's actually, that's, a, that's more of a romance novel. But um, oh. <laughs> so uh, to the if you want to, maybe your career will, you know, go in a different direction. Surrender. That's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I'll go back to writing in French. It'll be <laughs> part of part of my uh, my ongoing audience reduction scheme. <laughs> um, a good writer needs one of those schemes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. This is you know. Um, well, maybe maybe Canada is a good place to leave things uh, because yeah. I, I feel like it's not that the sky is is literally falling, although it sort of is. But um, but I'm so I'm getting, worried, I'm getting worried about trees coming down on my house. You're not in a huge storm yet. Like well, I'm, I'm in a, I, am, I am. It's there's no rain, but there's all this wind. Oh, there's no rain. Oh no, there's no, no, no. Just just like these violent gusts of wind and the tree outside my window is like you know it's it's lurching like yeah. like all, all my trees are lurching like they've been drinking with uh hedgies you know they're yes they're, yes yes, yeah. yes yeah oh no right now um at least four or five different trees are sort of slapping the second floor of my house just blam 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 i'm surprised you can't hear it I, uh, well i i uh my maybe this will find its way into the uh into the novel. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Okay. Uh, okay. This has been awesome. This uh, has been great, Paul. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the crazy thing is you and I are going to have, like, we're going to have conversations this good, maybe like, you know, tomorrow or the day after, but. Um, yeah. Yeah. We're actually uh, doing a little cookout on Sunday. So. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So and let's see if any of my house is left after the uh, tornado. So well, I feel like the grill will still be there. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I got to protect the grill. I'm gonna oh yeah, you don't, want it, you don't want it to like blow into your car. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna like drape myself over the grill and make sure okay. it take it away. All right, yeah. save the grill. Okay. Save um, the grill. Save the yeah. grill, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, talk to you soon. Okay, bye. Thank you, Gary, and thank you, Paul, for this incredible conversation. Gary Steingart's most recent book is Lake Success. It's published by Random House, and the paperback is out now. Paul Labarge is the author of The Night Ocean, which is published by Penguin Books, and the paperback is also available now. Bookable is a production of Loud Tree Media. I'm your host, Amanda Stern, five feet tall but as alert as a tornado warning. We're produced by me, Bo Friedlander and Andrew Dunn, who also mixes and sound designs the show. Bo is Loudtree's editor-in-chief. Find us on the web at bookablepod.com and subscribe and rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. That's one of the best ways for other listeners to find Bookable. And if you want to learn more about our guests, find us on Instagram at bookablepod and follow me, your host, at a little stern. We're back next week with another new episode of Bookable, and we will see you then. This is Bookable.